welcome back to Grid Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by one member of the collective, the disciple. No, not the disciple. Donnie, DP Peters. I'm all thrown off. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't know what to talk about today. We went 1-3-1 and in the Las Vegas Super Contest. We are now 17-26-2, picking it 40%. If we go 3-2 and two every week for the rest of the season, we will not finish the season with the winning record. We are horrifying. I'm horrifying. Donnie's horrifying, picking it 36% so far in his top five. Absolutely horrifying. But we're still here because somehow, some way, you demanded us from us a recap podcast. I don't get it, DP. Why do people still want our takes? The fans love us, man. They might, they might love us more in misery. That might be the thing. It might be. We might just be more entertaining when we get on here and we think we know what we're talking about when in actuality everything just caves in in our face and we just melt and tilt the following Tuesday. So I can maybe understand why they derive some sort of sick entertainment from that. But moreover, there is a reason to celebrate this week, and that's because, Donnie, you were giving out free money last week. You were just begging people to take money from you. Is is that is that is a correct statement, Mr. DraftKings millionaire casher? Yes, that is. Uh hashtag Donnie's Pizza Party was in full effect. Um I asked people after I had won my five free tickets to the DraftKings Fantasy Football Millionaire um to tweet out about the show or share on social media about the show. There was uh, three rules that we stuck by. Uh 12 people did it and if you did it, you were uh, you got tw- 2% of my winnings. I ended up finishing, uh, finishing 170th place out of 176,000 and something entries uh, for, for 300 bucks. So a lot of people want some money. Um, it's not a lot of money, but it buys half a pizza, maybe a medium pizza. So that's all I'm really going for here. Um, you know, just try and get in the money, win everyone some money collectively between all of us and, and hopefully, uh, you know, win the million dollars in, in these next week. It's $6 for a tweet. Where do I sign up for that? Where do I sign up for the, I'll give you six George Washingtons if you type in now 280 characters or less and press tweet. Yeah. I mean, if you and I got $6 a tweet, <laughs> we'd have what, $180,000 or something like that? Easily. And you, Mr. 15... To one ROI on well, even better than that, infinity, infinity to one, because all you did was eat a pizza. How much did the pizza cost? I actually don't even know. I had my girlfriend buy it. There you go, even better. So you just ate a pizza and got three hundred bucks for it, and you still have more shots. So this thing is going to continue. The pizza party rolls on. We're doing same rules. You want to change up the rules here? Entering into what is this week ten? Week ten are the rules the same for Donnie's Pizza Party? Um, I'm not sure yet. We'll find out more on tomorrow's DFS show. I was I was thinking about tinkering with the rules a little bit today, um, but but we'll see. Uh, I will definitely be doing this type of promotion where you can win a share of me in the DK Fantasy Football Millionaire um, every week for the rest of the season. Uh, even extending beyond the tickets that I won. Well, yeah, you're free roll um, now, of course. I mean, I'm free rolling now, so I can't, I can't not do it, right? I got to give everyone a chance. So, uh, so yeah, one of the things I was thinking is that because we do have a new allotment of shirts that came in, 
is that if you do it, not only will you win 2%, if I cash, you will also get a t-shirt. You get a money green, money green for your money cash. Yeah. So I was thinking about doing that. Uh, you know, we'll weigh the options with the boys, uh, yourself included, and, and we'll figure it out from there. But I, I know the people were pumped. It's, it's an extra sweat for everyone. It's a lot of fun. Um, I, I mean, I wish I would have won a lot more money. I had the chance to win a lot more money, but things didn't work out in the end. But end of the day, I'm happy with the score. Carlos Hyde, what are you doing, bro? I mean, I swear, Carlos Hyde would have gotten seven, eight more points, and it, that doesn't sound like a lot. But when you're when you're that deep in that in the in the millionaire tournament, um, I mean, every half point, fractions of points, just move you up like hundreds of dollars, and you know, then possibly thousands of dollars, and with the way that the game script was at the end of that 49ers game. And, you know, the they were just dropping back and playing, the, you know, a deep prevent defense. So Carlos Hyde, those, those short dink and dunks out of the backfield. I mean, he was just – he was picking up chunk plays of anywhere from 10 to 15 yards. Every reception is worth a point. He had 84 reception yards. So if he would have got to 100, that's another three points, I believe, on, on DraftKings for a bonus. So the possibility was there for him to get, you know – six points maybe up to 10 points and at the end of it all i believe i finished uh, about 20 points out of first place so you know we could have really been making some big money and i don't think a lot of people in front of me at the time were on uh carlos hyde a lot of people were i also doug baldwin going at the time a lot of people were on doug baldwin a lot of people were also on travis kelsey who i also had um so anything that they did uh didn't move me up so much but if carlos hyde just would have stuck in the game i mean he was gonna get at least two more catches and at least break the hundred yard receiving, which would have been a, a nice chunk to move up. For those that didn't know, what just go down the roster real quick. Who did you have? We we heard Hyde and Baldwin there. Who else were big performers for you? Uh, well, you know, the one big thing was the call for the the Colts stack because uh, I you know I went with um, for this one uh, I went with Jacoby Brissett. And uh, T.Y. Hilton and Jack Doyle, so I had a little triple stack there. Uh, so you know, this was this was partly because of the value of those players and what I was able to do with the rest of my roster, and also because it's a little bit of hedging on what we did in the actual Super Contest, where we decided to pick the Texans. I decided to put the Texans on the card at minus thirteen, just to try and get us to to change something up, move up the leaderboard, whatever. But I figure, you know, this game's going to be a mess. It ended up being a mess, but not in the way that we thought. It was much more low, low scoring than all of us thought. Uh, but yeah, I had Jacoby Brissett, T.Y. Hilton, and Doug Baldwin. I mean, T.Y. Hilton was basically free. He was like 4,100 or something like that. Uh, he ended up breaking out. Uh, within the first two minutes of the game, they threw that deep bomb to T.Y. Hilton. I was like, oh my gosh. For, can this just be the week for once in my fucking life, please? <laughs> like, so, so yeah. So then it allowed me to pay up elsewhere. Todd Gurley, uh, he went off. Um, yeah, I had him as one of my running backs. Also had Carlos Hyde, as we just mentioned. Uh, I know that I loved Carlos Hyde this week. Brett also loved Carlos Hyde coming into the week. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr. for the Saints, he did very well. Um, you know, he put up uh, just under 16 points. Overall, I mean, he's just used in all different sorts of ways, shapes, and forms in that New Orleans offense. Uh, he was able to catch a lot of balls and also get in the end zone. Uh, Doug Baldwin. Um, Doug Baldwin was a little bit more on the chalky side, but you got to have a little bit of chalk, you know, if you're going to be in these contests because the chalk guys are the ones that tend to really put up the big numbers. Uh, Doug Baldwin wasn't doing a ton of stuff um, until the end of the game, uh, 
when he caught that big uh, touchdown pass uh, up to, uh, you know, he put he moved up to about 26, 27 points. In the end, uh, that big touchdown pass came right about the same time that Carlos Hyde was ejected from his game. So it did help and it did move us up and it did uh, win us, you know, I believe 150 extra dollars. So what I, what I was a little bit bummed about is that um, there were some times when I thought Doug Baldwin could have had the ball thrown to him more, but what are you going to do? The guy put up 26 points. I'm not going to complain too much. And then I also did something interesting where I went with a two tight end set for this one. I had Jack Doyle and then I also had Travis Kelsey. So that's something that a lot of people don't do. Um, oftentimes, you know, people are going to always play a wide receiver in that flex spot. But with the way that the NFL is nowadays, and you have a lot of tight ends who are basically de facto wide receivers, just giant wide receivers. Um, and for many of these teams, even if they aren't quote unquote wide receivers, the tight ends are the best receiving option for their team in terms of targets, in terms of yards, touchdowns, red zone looks, all that sort of stuff. Jack Doyle is one of those guys. Jacoby Brissett just absolutely loves him. Total security blanket for that guy. He throws to him a ton every single game. Travis Kelsey also, um, you know, with with Alex Smith in Kansas City, you know, you do get the, the big play opportunity with someone like Tyreek Hill. Um, but Tyreek Hill doesn't get, you know, all of the targets every single week that Travis Kelsey gets and tight ends. They're just a matchup nightmare for everyone. So if you can get a really good tight end against, a, you know, a really good opponent uh, and Dallas, you know, isn't that great overall in the secondary, then it, it's a great to play two tight ends in a lot of really good spots. I did a lot this week. This is one of the spots that worked out. And then my defense to close it out was the Rams playing the giants. Um, you know, I was a little bit bummed out that the giants ended up driving down and scoring towards the end of the game. Um, to, to move up to, I believe, 14 points instead of just sticking with seven. Uh, that would have been a little bit better. But nonetheless, uh, the Rams did well. They, they put up 11 points. That's, you know, they got a couple turnovers. That's really all you can hope for, um, you know, when you're paying 3100 for a defense. They did very well. So overall, uh, I believe I got 195 points. Like I said, about 19 or 20 points off what the winner got. So I, I was right there. Right there, and and that that same uh, that same lineup I put in a few different contests, and they won me some money elsewhere. So all in all, very good day. For as bad as we've been picking games in the super contest, I think we've done pretty damn well uh, on the DFS side on the Thursday show. Oh, we've been nailing DFS picks. Um, you know, every every week I do my whole spreadsheet out with everyone that we mentioned. Um, I do their, I put their salary in. I do their end result of their points. I have a a variable that or a a, uh, a column that says you know if you hit 3.5 times value based on your salary to points then it's a win if you didn't then it's technically a loss although that could be debated anyway just for simplistic sake that's what i do uh we, we've had a lot of really really big scores um this week we were right around 200 with a lot of our lineups or variations of the lineups that you could have could have tinkered with um before we've hit uh, 230 and 240 a couple weeks um, and that sort of stuff, you know, that sort of stuff is what you can win millions of dollars with. Now, I know that we all don't play the the big uh, DK Fantasy Football Millionaire every single week just because of the way it's set up. It's so hard to win. Um, yeah, our but, volume is just not there. We, yeah, we don't. We don't I, mean, I just don't have the money to enter a thousand entries. Sorry, <laughs> you know, so. Um, but yeah, but we, you know, we do all right and we're trying to make some money and hopefully you guys are taking the advice that we give you and uh, turning that into some profit as well. Yeah, so we'll be back tomorrow to give you some DFS plays. Brett's going to, in the middle of this episode, give you some 
season-long takes that if your waivers have not processed yet, hopefully you can take advantage of, or maybe they're just sitting there as free agents, and you'll be able to scoop them up after listening to the show. As far as recapping the five games we picked, I don't know how good of a resource I'm going to be. I only watched one half of football this weekend because I was stumbling around the Bay Area having a good time, uh, <laughs> not wallowing in a in a one and three one three and one record. I I will say I, I that half of football was most of the second half from Raiders Dolphins. I saw a little bit of the end of the first half, and I I don't think we had any business covering this game. We didn't have any business covering or pushing. But, I should say. I mean, Oakland is bad. They're fucking bad. I would um, agree. I would agree. But Miami is so bad. I mean, it's they're beyond bad. The Marshawn Lynch, his first touchdown was one of the most embarrassing defensive efforts I've ever seen in my entire life. And, yeah, in a week that there was a lot of embarrassing yeah. defensive efforts, I mean, that might have taken the cake. Well, and that's the thing is I, I didn't get to lay eyes on the Denver or New York Giants performance, so I, I, I don't know, and I'll, I'll ask you in a second a, a very important question in my mind. Oh, did, you got to throw Tampa Bay in there too because they, they were standing around doing nothing for a lot of that game against the Saints. Well, at least there was some fighting in that game, right? At least there was some temper. There was flaring. fighting everywhere. There was fighting and nobody trying on defense all over the NFL on Sunday. <laughs> but this, this Marshawn run and Sunday night football is getting cute after that Patriots, uh, game where there was all the fog and they had to go to the Madden cam. They're using it a lot more, especially on plays where there's running situations. If they realize it's a run, they'll keep it on that Madden cam and they did for this particular play. Well, you know that they there was fog issues in Miami. Well, the fireworks, yeah. But I think this well, was... Yeah. I, I don't know if this was pre or post fireworks. But anyway, so they... Wink, so, wink, nod, nod, <laughs> fireworks issue. So they, so they keep it on this Madden cam. And Marshawn makes one cut. And there's, there's some good blocking. But the middle of Miami's defense just had no interest in getting near him, touching him, being in the same area code. And I think I even think Rashad Jones was in the play. And Rashad Jones is like notorious for being tough guy, great tackler, great box safety. And he, they just these guys just wanted nothing to do with Marshawn, and he just walked into the end zone. And I was, at that point, I was like, "All right, we're not covering." Uh, but then obviously, we get the miracle comeback. Not only do we get the touchdown, but we get the two point conversion as well. And it's just it's a half point that was totally not deserved, and it was totally meaningless. And I think I think it it encapsulates the season perfectly like in a spot where it doesn't matter anymore we need to get so lucky to get back into this and that's where we get lucky is on that stupid last drive by miami it's yeah and it was lucky to get a push that's yeah Not exactly even a win. now you don't even get the full fucking point you just get half a point it's it's insanely infuriating uh so we did have one of those sides we did have broncos uh plus the eight and a half mo put that on on the card inexplicably after hating my hate on Carson Wentz the entire season. He's been the number one Carson Wentz supporter. And then in the Meadowlands, we did, weren't on this game, but similar outcome, 51-17 in favor of the Rams. And my question to you, did the Giants and Broncos just quit? Is is that a thing that happened? Like, how do you get 50 planted on your face in professional football? I think that they did quit to some extent. I think for a little bit different reasons, at least from what I would just read you know from from the outside 
um, what I would speculate. So the Giants, I mean, they're just, you know, front and back, top to bottom, offense, defense, they're a mess this year, right? I mean, they just, they're just kind of going through the motions, I feel like, just trying to get to the end of the season. I mean, especially after Odell Beckham went down, it just feels like that team is totally deflated. They can't get anything right. So they're just, they're just not trying because that's what they're doing. They're just not trying. They're just, okay, when's when's week 17? When the hell can we, you know, get on the golf course, get in the Bahamas, do all of our off-season stuff, that sort of thing. The Broncos, on the other hand, I think that that defense, you know, it, it has the ability to still be really, really good. I mean, that defense is loaded still. The problem in Denver, I think, is that they can't get anything going on the offensive side of the ball. They're changing quarterbacks left and right. You know, Brock Osweiler is back in the team, and now he's back in the starting lineup. I mean, it just, if you're on the, the defensive side of the ball and you have a brand new coach and he's changing everything around, you've got this quarterback who you shipped out of town, now you brought back, and the guy you thought was going to replace him sucks, and now the old guy is back in. It just, you're just, you're sitting on the defensive side of the ball. And you're like, why the hell am I going to try? Like, what, what the hell am I going to do? This is a joke. Like, even if I try, we're not going to, you know, our offense is never going to score any points, so it doesn't matter. So that's kind of what I think is going on there. I mean, I think that you you hear it a little bit. Um, I mean, what's the one defensive lineman's name? Derek Wolf, I believe. Uh, he he was saying some things like this week that you know he's like, I, I can't keep losing games like this. I just I can't keep doing it. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Like I just I, we can't keep losing games like this. And when when you hear someone vocally say that. Um, to the media on the record after after you're losing like this, I mean, it just feels like they they've kind of just given up, giving full effort and trying all that they can because they know that on the offensive side of the ball, it's just like what what the hell are you guys doing? Can you can you figure this shit out? Like you know, you're screwing everything up. The run game sucks. The passing game sucks. You don't score. Everything's a disaster. We're on the field busting our ass week in and week out. You're giving us no support. So the hell with you guys. We're just gonna kind of go through the motions a little bit more so than, than we were before, and try less. So like I said, didn't see full games, but obviously saw highlights. And one of the highlights that ran over and trade and how big the play was, was the long Jai touchdown. And this is what doesn't make any sense. So these numbers include this game. So a very poor performance by Denver, stopping the run in this game. And they still rank second in rush defense DVOA on the season. So an elite unit against the the run on the other side of the ball the eagles are in the middle of the pack 18th in run blocking dvoa and that 18th includes the eight previous games with jason peters playing left tackle now this jay ajayi 40 yard run was off tackle left to the spot where jason peters no longer holds up and he goes 40 yards untouched against an elite rush defense. It doesn't make any sense. Not a modicum of sense, that play, in any world. And yet it happened. And that's the only reason that play is a microcosm of where this effort question comes from. Because the only conclusion I can come to is it has to be effort. Because this is a great rush defense against a mediocre Rush run blocking offensive line without an all time super pro left tackle, and they run off tackle left, and he goes untouched for forty yards. Doesn't make sense. Not one inch of sense. Yeah, I think you're seeing a bit more and more 
you know, in today's NFL, that, that people in the secondary especially, but people on defense in general, minus, you know, the, the four guys, three or four guys up front on the line, don't really care to tackle or hit people. You well, know, and that's just, the thing. The Denver guys do like I, I know, but tackling. They, they didn't this week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's kind of like, well, okay, we're out of it. Our quarterback sucks. We're not winning anything. I'm not going to kill myself to get hurt. The hell with it. Let's, you know, Jay Ajahi, have fun. If I can push you out of bounds, cool. If not, see you in the end zone. Uh, you mentioned Colts Texans briefly. I mean, I, we never had a chance. We, we were joking in the Skype chat about 1%. And honestly, what were there? 60 people on the Texans and 70 people and 1,100 people on the Colts. So, Oh, no, way more. 1,600 and something. Well, yeah. So if we were to do it again, I would still do the same thing because it's the leverage is too good. Well, I think that we have to say that this week's card specifically was an anomaly because we just tried to do a bunch of weird shit because we're so far out of it. So going into it, we knew that there was very high risk, high reward oh, uh, yeah. type of play. So just just letting the fans know that, you know, we didn't just take the Colt or the Texans minus 13 because we thought that that was the right side. Oh, no, 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 no. That was purely a leverage punt play to try to nail a one-outer, which we failed to do. The I, we, I even said it on the Friday pod. I said the Colts might be better, and they go out and they win outright. So I hope all you real-world betters, I, I hope you all had the, the plus seven. My Lord, I hope you had the plus seven. Um, and maybe even a money bet line wager as well do these coaches and these teams do they even worry about the backup quarterback at all like i just because i see all these backups get in and it is i mean they look like they can't play the position period well it's one of those things where how many good quarterbacks are there in the league as starters well i think there's a lot this year actually i think that i mean i wouldn't necessarily say good and capable might be different things but i think that there's more than half of the guys are capable to be starting NFL quarterbacks this year. Well, I think we're also asking less and less of our quarterbacks, though, which makes it more easy. Yeah, the rules are catered to them a little bit more and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's it's easier than ever to be a capable quarterback, right? Don't make mistakes. Don't turn the ball over. All of a sudden, that is the competency level that makes you above league average now. <laughs> is is but like like Brett Brett Hundley from from Monday Night in Green Bay? Like that guy, he has horrifying. no idea how to just step up into the pocket. The Jordy play. I mean, he just turns around and runs like backwards to try and run. And it's like, dude, if you just take a half step up and throw, you'll probably be fine. Yeah. Josh Norris, fellow Elon alum, now works for NBC. And his big thing when evaluating quarterbacks is eye level. If you can't keep your eye level up against a rush, you just can't play in this league. You can't do it. Because as soon as you drop your eyes, then it's a wrap. The play's over. Unless you're... Michael Vick on steroids and you can bounce out and make the most incredible plays possible. You need to keep looking downfield. That's why that is the one quality that I can say of Brady that I I don't think anybody has mastered as well as him is moving inside the pocket with his eyes down the field. Like that guy has some sort of seventh sense that he can sixth sense beyond the set, the fifth sense. He has a seventh sense but even even someone who you think is a highly mobile quarterback, Rich, your guy, and uh, Brett and Moe's guy, Aaron Rodgers, he still has elite moving ability within the pocket. For yeah, sure. he runs out a lot, 
and he has done that. But within the pocket, he'll sidestep people. He'll step up. He'll do, you know what I mean? He'll do his thing. I mean, all the the really good quarterbacks of the past, what, five or ten years, you know, the Drew Brees, the Peyton Manning, all these guys, they're pocket passers. I mean, that's where you eat in the NFL as a quarterback. You just step up in the pocket. You let your guys do your job. People are going to get super close to you. They're not necessarily going to hit you, but you just got to make the throws from the pocket. Drew Brees, man, too. He does it on his tippy toes. If you guys have yeah, never, he's like five foot two. If you guys have never watched this, uh, I, I hope someone's pointed it out to you. But when Drew Brees hits the end of his drop, he like cranes his neck up because he, he literally can't see because he's so short. So the next time you're watching Saints, watch when he gets to the back of his drop, how he like cranes his neck forward in order for him to see over the line because he's so damn short. And and as Donnie noted, he's he keeps his eyes downfield, even though he's there's just a war going on in front of him at eye level because he's so short and he's still able to to maintain his eye level and, and get the ball downfield. Um, yeah, Hunley's a disaster. I, I can't. We can't take the Packers. We, uh, we but like Hunley, right? He's he's been in that. He's not a. I mean, he's a rookie, I guess, but he's not a rookie. He's been there for three years. So what? What have they been doing for three years? But stuff like that is, I don't know if that's teachable. I, I don't know. What have you been doing for three years? And then what were you doing for two weeks when you were on a bye week leading up to this game? I, I, again, I don't know if any of that's teachable. I, I think that those are things that you can only learn and get better at when the bolts are flying. And you can simulate it in practice. Like you can rush and and he can keep his eyes downfield because he's wearing the red jersey and nobody's really going to touch him. But when the bolts start flying and there's... 300-pound bodies twirling and falling and running and sprinting in front of you, and the cameras are on and the lights are on and people are cheering. That's that's just something that I, I don't know if there's ever a teaching moment that can prepare you for those innate skills that make somebody great at the quarterback position. And he just doesn't have it, so move on. Like <laughs> Bring back Matt Flynn. Find, find somebody off the trash heap. Matt McLaurin. I mean, it, this, this, I mean, listen, Aaron Rodgers should win MVP, right? Just based on these two games. Of course. I, I mean, but, this... but he won't win MVP because that's not how it works. But, I mean, it's just, it's such, a, you know, just when you look at Green Bay, we I've always said that they're overrated on this podcast, right? And this is another example is that Aaron Rodgers is great. He's really fucking good every single week. But outside of Aaron Rodgers, you guys can't, like, you can't do anything. You literally can't do anything. It's l- only Aaron Rodgers. This is why he's the greatest. The The entire economy of Green Bay, Wisconsin is based upon one man. One man that wears number 12. That in, The talent evaluators, the coaching staff, everybody, they are not good at their jobs. The only person who is good at their job is 12, and that's it. Yeah, and, and like like these last two weeks just make me think, you know, I wonder, I would love to know, like, I mean, there's no way you can know this and quantify this, but like what what plays go in and where does Aaron Rodgers audible and where does he just do his own thing because he knows that they're sending in the wrong play? I mean, you see it time and time again with Aaron Rodgers specifically where after a play happens, they, they zoom in on him and he's looking at the sidelines, usually mouthing some sort of profanity. Like, why the fuck would you call that play? Oh, like, yeah. Stuff like that. There's he, nothing, I mean, you can tell there, he hates it. There's nothing better than the like third and four run for three yards when A-Rod looks to the sideline and just yells at them. Nothing I mean, at this point, that. he should literally just do whatever the fuck he wants out there. He should he should be like a Peyton or a Tom Brady in terms of 
I mean, I don't know if he is. He might be already, but like they were, they're able to call plays, right? You know, especially like Peyton Manning was the king of it, right? He just kind of be walking up to the line of scrimmage and say, "Oh, okay, we're going to do this instead," and then just start audible into a whole bunch of shit, yelling Omaha and whatever. I don't know how much uh, leniency they they give to to Aaron Rodgers to do that there, but it seems like just judging from his reactions a lot of the time that he's not, uh, you know fully free to just go out there and do what he wants. And McCarthy is more of, you know, trying to be a puppet master and he just needs to let his guy with all the talent in the world, just do his thing. Rogers, unfortunately stuck in green Bay until 2020. He becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2020. Brutal. The Packers are a bottom five team with Brent Hundley quarterback about as bad as possible. Uh, real quick Ravens Titans, I actually saw I was in I was in a Jamaican restaurant in Oakland and they didn't have the red zone channel. They just had this game on. There were three televisions and they were all showing Ravens Titans. So picture it, Jamaican restaurant, Oakland, California, Ravens Titans on on every television. It was bizarre. But I got to sweat the end and uh we got the cover, we got the back door. Uh the Titans defense Looks soft as puffy shit, but of course they were up two scores, so they really had no motivation to try too hard. Uh, anything to add in this game? Are, are either of these teams good? I don't think either of these teams are good. Um, I mean, the Ravens are... I, th- I think that the Ravens are kind of as good as they can be right now. Um, I've been not necessarily all in on the Ravens this year um at least coming into the season I think you guys were a little bit higher than I was um you know the Ravens have always been somebody that as a Pats fan they've scared me just because you know get to the end they have a really really experienced coach they have a defense one teams that that knows you know sort of what beat New England in New England they would always not try and get cute like all these other stupid teams do um, but this year, I just think that, you know, injuries, old age, Flacco sucks. You know, there's just a lot of things that are going wrong for them. So they're doing the best that they can. On the other side of the ball, the Titans, I mean, everyone, not even just us, everyone was on the Titans as that next team. You know, like they're, this is the year they they make the, the leap. You know, they, they, they push in that division to the top. They make it to the playoffs. Maybe they win a game. They just look like the same old shitty Titans. Uh, led strongly by that that horrible defense. I mean, Rich, you mentioned they're soft. Their defenses, they've been bad all year. So, yeah, the Titans, not good, man. Not good at all. Everybody was on Tennessee, but not me. Not you. You were on Jacksonville. Not me. Man, if they just had an average quarterback. Come on, Jackson. Come on, Tom Coughlin. Do the right thing. All right, let's, let's pause and let Burt Manani, the god, step in here. And give you his three fantasy takeaways from the week that was. Hey guys, Brett here to give you three fantasy football takeaways from week nine of the NFL season. Number one, the San Francisco 49ers are going to be a team you want to be at least looking at a little bit for your DFS lineups over the next couple weeks. This is a team that's throwing at the highest percentage in the NFL, 69% of plays over the last three weeks, including 76% last week. I don't see that number falling in the near future with the team operating at the fastest pace in the league while playing in a lot of negative game flow. 
Pierre Garçon, George Kittle, Trent Taylor have already been rolled out for Week 10 against the Giants. So look for guys like Marquise Goodwin, Aldrick Robinson, and even Brent Selleck to see a sizable uptick in targets. Carlos Hyde, of course, is going to be a top-tier play again this week, coming off 28 targets in his last three games. But overall, this is a great offense to stack in DFS against the Giants because you can get all of these players at a reduced price compared to where they should be. And aside from Hyde, you're going to see all of them at really low ownership. Number two, DeAndre Hopkins is the number one wide receiver in fantasy football so far this season. But he might not even be a top 10 wide receiver going forward with Tom Savage under center for the Texans. Look, the volume is going to be there. Hopkins was targeted 16 times on Sunday, but efficiency is going to be a huge problem for this offense. Savage and Hopkins only connected six times against one of the worst defenses in the league on Sunday, and it's only going to get worse for Nook in the second half. Most importantly, during the playoffs when he has to play Jacksonville and Pittsburgh in weeks 15 and 16. So if there's a way to unleash him in a trade in the next couple weeks, if you can get good value in return, I would highly recommend it right now if you're playing in a, in a redraft league. Number three, I can't say for sure, but it looks like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in full tank mode already. Not only is Jameis Winston on the shelf for a few weeks with a shoulder injury being forced to miss these games, but Doug Martin is suddenly seeing a huge decline in snaps, which has paved the way for Peyton Barber to touch the ball 14 times last week. Peyton Barber is not a good football player, so this one is a bit baffling. Until we get more clarification on what's going on with Martin's role in this offense, it might be wise to keep him on your bench this week. And we are back. Thank you, Brett. Let's take a look ahead to the Week 10 lines. You look over at Westgate. I'm over on Pinnacle, but I'm sure they won't be too far off. DP, doing your early week research setting your own lines, looking at some of the discrepancies. Where did you go uh, first when you looked across the board? What popped out to you the most? Uh, so the Bears being five and a half point favorites against Green Bay popped out at me. Not necessarily that I think the line is off, but just that the line is now so big. Um, you know, if you would have looked at that line at the beginning of the season, what would that line be? Granted, Chicago's at home. It'd be Green Bay minus five. I was going to say it's probably the complete opposite. Yeah. I mean, Green Bay minus seven, maybe. I don't, it, it probably would, you know, obviously it would have depended how Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay looked coming into this week. But I mean, <laughs> that that's just a full 180 on the line there. Uh, just knowing what's happening uh, in Green Bay right now. We just talked about it. So that's, that was a little, a little surprising to me. And then also, um, I think I really want to like the Colts this week. Getting 10 points at home against Pittsburgh. Uh, this just feels like a game that Pittsburgh could straight out lose. You know, they're just, they do some funky shit, the, that Pittsburgh team. You know, it's like two weeks on, one week off. You know, they're just, they lose games that they should never lose ever if they're going to be, you know, one of those top three elite teams in the AFC. Um, but they do this stuff every single year. And this this game where they're 10-point they're favorites on the road against the Colts, I think the Colts could surprise a lot of people this week. I felt that way initially, but then I remembered the Thanksgiving game from last year. Same scenario. I think the spread was actually uh, very similar, if I recall, near close to double digits. And uh, Colts without luck, final score 28-7 to in favor 
of the Steelers. It was an absolute massacre. Uh, I, I, yeah, uh, it is the correct side. You want to get the home dog getting double digits. And the Colts offense continues to be frisky. But, man, just that Steelers offense, I don't know how the Colts get a stop. I don't like. I don't know what when there's a possession that Indianapolis can get a stop against Pittsburgh defensively. Then, Rich, your team, Jets on the road minus what? two and a half. What? How crazy is that? All the revenge games, Cade revenge against Tampa, Fitzpatrick revenge against the Jets, Austin Safarian Jenkins revenge against the Bucks. I mean, this game is going to be lit. But two and a half road favorites. What? Yeah, that just seems that seems. I mean, I, that seems like I'm gonna have to take the Bucks, and I absolutely hate it. But both the Jets and the Giants are road favorites this week. What planet are we living on? Yeah, that. I mean, yeah, the Giants is somewhat expected. I mean, no, I kind of feel like the 49ers are actually just all in on the tank. But the, the Giants just might be. They're just horrifying. And they're going to go across the country and be road favorites? Granted, it's a point. But we just saw a team slaughter them at home, score 50 on them at home. And they're going to be I road mean, it, favorites? The Giants should really tank as well. I mean, what are they What are they playing for? They need to They need to get a, as high a draft pick as possible, and they need to draft who is to be the successor to Eli Manning. How many How many wins? Do the Giants have just one win? Yeah, I believe they're 1-7 so or 1-8. This is a huge tank spot. Because if they lose to the Niners, who would then get their first win, the Niners would have the tiebreaker. And the Giants would all of a sudden get the second pick in the draft. Mass- I mean, the Giants need to, if they know what they're doing, they need to be losing this game. Massive tank game here. The they Giants. also should, I mean, I kind of think that they should ship Eli somewhere, but, oh, you yeah. know. I, I, don't, I don't think Eli is the quarterback there next year. I mean, he, is he the quarterback and is the coach the coach? Yeah. How does, man, McAdoo. When somebody asks you, what did you say at halftime? Just say something generic. Don't stand there and not answer the question. That was the most awkward five, six seconds of my entire existence. Yeah, he's awkward and he try, like he tries to you could tell when he answered that question like he wanted to be an asshole. He wanted to like be like a little bit like Bill Belichick and just kind of like grunted people. But he has no idea how to do it because he's just a total awkward nerd up there that is holding a clipboard with his slick back hair. Like, dude, just go back to being an offensive coordinator because you blow at being a head coach. Or just own being who you are. Like, be the nerd, you know? Be you. Do you. Do the Mike Leach thing, you know? Be the weird, awkward guy and embrace it. Don't try to be this fake, slick back hair tough guy because it's not working very well, my friend. Other interesting lines, I mean, I feel like we're just going to the well every time with this one, but Bills as road uh, as home dogs. I was going to say Bills plus three at home, man. Bills home dogs. Like, it's just... <laughs> I mean, what? The, you got to be kidding. I mean, the, the Saints have been doing really well these past couple weeks. They got to come back down to earth, right? And Drew Brees on the road, especially in, you know, a Northeast road game. I mean, we, we know how that ends, right? Falcons minus three, That that kind of jumped out to me, like, I haven't checked the spread. Let me check right now. Spread.com is where we get our public betting information. But how, I, how is the whole world not on Dallas at plus three? Like how? I don't understand why that's. Why are these team teams even? Why don't people? Think, well, I think is that is Zeke suspended again? I have no idea what it goes on with the Zeke thing every single week. Well, well, they hung the line so quickly that I figured that 
he's not. I thought it was like a foregone conclusion that he's just going to play. Why would they hang the line if they didn't have any? Yeah, well, last week we thought he wasn't going to play, and then in the eleventh hour he decided that oh, we're gonna you know we're gonna postpone this again. But there was no line, right? No, they didn't hang a line last week until the Zeke news was concrete. Uh, that might have been true. I didn't. I don't remember looking. Yeah, eighty percent of the public on the Cowboys. I I can't imagine that line being three. Doesn't make very much sense to me. And then Atlanta's a dumpster fire this year. And then the last one that really jumped out to me is this Jaguars line. Same thing though. I feel like the whole world's going to be on Jags at minus four and only 54% are on the Jaguars. I understand that chargers are coming off of a buy, but what this line says is that the Bengals are a full point worse than the chargers. And I think the Bengals are better than the chargers. I don't know. I don't know about that, man. Chargers feel like they're they're on the up, and the Bengals are staying the same, if not on the down. Yeah, I don't know, man. Chargers are have been a popular team all year in the Super Contest. They are the, in terms of total selections, the fifth most uh, selected team. Um, so, you know, it seems like everyone loves them. So, so knowing this line, uh, you know, they could. They could be on them again. Rivers Noodle against that secondary? Against the best secondary in football by a country mile? That seems not, that seems I, like I, I'm personally benching Rivers on my fancy. Oh team, yeah. So. You 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 cannot play. I don't think there's a quarterback in the league that you can play against Jacksonville. No, not no I mean like you play who, Tom Brady, but you know <laughs> Can you? I don't know. I mean, Pat's at. I will always in, in believe a, that in, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick will figure it out somehow. Yeah, but figuring it out might be running the ball. You know, they're figuring it out doesn't necessarily mean Brady throws for three hundred. They're figuring it out might just be getting yards in some other fashion. Yeah, I mean, you, you might totally be right, but we 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 won't see that until the playoffs, I believe. Yeah, we so. won't see that till AFC Championship game. Till AFC Championship Jags game. Pats. Yeah. So it'll be lit. All right, that's a that's a that's the recap. You guys, you guys yearn for this. <laughs> you guys came out in numbers, and we appreciate that. Uh, for all of you that don't already, please follow us on Twitter at GridIronGamble, and we'd love for you to rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, and be on the lookout for Donnie's Pizza Party rules for this week on the DFS Pod Manana. Until then, enjoy the day. See you tomorrow. Peace. Ouch.